Good evening, everyone. How are you guys doing? All right. Why don't you open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. This topic tonight was the result of, I guess, the, the flood of, I guess you could call it spiritual entertainment that has kind of flooded the times right now. We got Noah, movie Heaven is Real, God is Not Dead. We have churches, and sad to say, Calvary chapels, using gimmicks to draw people, fog machines, pastors falling into immorality and out of the pulpit. We've been bombarded with liberalism, emotionalism, and experiences. That's what's prompted this study. Those things are very popular today. Also, um, probably going to upset some people. I already told Mario. I did it in corner, at Cornerstone. There's a very popular devotional out right now called Jesus Calling by Sarah Young. I had it. My daughter had it. Ten million people have purchased it. Number one selling book on Amazon.com. Filled with spiritism, channeling, and new age stuff. And the church is sucking it up. You all know Warren Smith. He's been here a couple of times at least, I know. I came to you a couple years ago to the conference with him and Ray Youngin. He's coming out and, and, and meeting with us in October. He said, hey, ask your congregation how many own that book. You'd be surprised how many own that. I mean, I had it. It was given to me as a gift. My daughter received it as a gift. And they have no idea what it's about. And she says that all of the devotionals, Jesus personally spoke to her and gave them to her. And there's one in particular. When you look at what she's quoting Jesus said and then gives you the scriptural reference, it doesn't match. The scripture is wrong. What he said that she said, what she said he said that she recorded, each devotional is a personal message to her from Jesus. The scriptures do not match what he said. Warren Smith wrote a book called Another Jesus Calling in rebuttal to that book. So either Jesus that wrote the material that she quoted doesn't know what he said, or it's another Jesus calling. And it's happening more and more in the church of Jesus Christ. When I announced it, I was really surprised as well as disappointed by some of the responses that I got. Oh, well, you know, it's the best devotional I've ever read, and it's, you know, it, it's made me feel good. And I said, well, you know, it's, it's, some of it's, a lot of it's not biblical. All it takes is for one thing to be wrong, and it's not biblical. And obviously that upset them. The New Testament speaks about two groups of people that God appoints to destruction. 
Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, 22, anyone who does not love the Lord, second, false teachers, who Paul calls accursed twice. In 1 Galatians uh, verses 8 and 9. Jesus warned his disciples that false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Jesus said, see, I have told you beforehand, I'm warning you. Matthew 24, verses 24 through 25. Paul reminded Timothy that these people in the leadership of the church at Ephesus, he delivered to Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. One of the main characteristics of Satan and his followers is deception. Paul warns that in the end time, Antichrist will come. And he says in 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 and 10, The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and line wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. John tells us about the, ra- the red dragon in Revelation chapter 12, 9, who deceives the whole world. You see, Satan and his demons do their deceptive work usually through human beings. And religious leaders. And Paul goes on to explain in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen and 15. And no wonder. For Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore it is, not, it is no great thing. If his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness. Whose end will be according to their works. Paul knew. The human instruments used by Satan. When he spoke of the deceiving spirits who spread doctrines of demons speaking in speaking lies and hypocrisy. Satan has effectively carried out his most destructive deception through demon-influenced false teachers, authors, who profess to be God's spokesman. Deuteronomy 18:20 through 22 says this in the living um, uh, the living new living translation, any prophet who falsely claims to speak in my name or who speaks in the name of, a, of another God must die. God didn't take this lightly. If the prophet speaks in the Lord's name, but his prediction does not happen or come true, you will know that the Lord did not give that message. That prophet has spoken without my authority and need not be feared. It was when their own priests and prophets compromised God's truth that the Israelites were most likely to fall into idolatry and other pagan practices. It was false teachers claiming to preach the gospel who were the most successful in weakening the early church. And today, even the doctrines of Eastern mysticism and occultism are finding their way into the church of Jesus Christ. And it's often under the cover of, quote, Neutral philosophy, psychology, or self-image improvement. In the life of the churches, the thing that Paul was most afraid of was false doctrine. Why? Because it's the main cause of ungodly behavior. And Paul's big concern for the spiritual welfare of the Corinthian believers would be the same for the church of Jesus Christ tonight. Listen to what he wrote to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 11, 3 and 4. But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit, 
which you have not received or a different gospel, which we have you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. That last word sentence says Paul was saying you happily put up with whatever anybody tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach. And that's happening quite a bit today. Paul warned the Ephesian elders in Acts 20, 28 through 30, Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. One of the shepherd's duty is to make the flock aware of this kind of stuff. Satan's main goal for false teaching is to weaken the heart of the gospel. Which is salvation by grace made possible through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter warned in 2 Peter 2, 1 and 2. But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even even denying the Lord who bought them. And bring on themselves swift destruction and may will and may will and many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. The most destructive heresy of all is denying the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the Lord incarnate, the Lord God incarnate. Then after a short meeting in verses or greeting in verses one through four of chapter one here, Paul just dives right into why he wrote to the Galatians. His big concern and his bewilderment about the false teachers who are weakening the gospel of grace that he has so carefully preached and explained while he ministered in Galatia. That was his concern. Paul was very disappointed that the truth of God's sovereign and gracious offer of redemption through the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ alone, it was being corrupted. By the teachings of salvation by works, honoring the Jewish law and traditions. Here in chapter 1, in verses 6 through 9, Paul gives his strong disapproval to that serious and damning heresy. Let's begin now in chapter 1, beginning with verse 6. Paul says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. Paul says, hey, man, I can hardly believe that you, believers, are already deserting my teaching. It says he marveled. That word marveled is a strong word. It means to be astounded and bewildered. Paul couldn't understand why they were so quickly deserting God. The God who called them through the grace of Jesus Christ. Now, he wasn't surprised at what the false teachers were doing. We expect that. But boy, he was shocked by the favorable response that the false teachers got from the Christians in Galatia. <clears throat> Just like many of the, the, these movies today are so far off base. But to see, they're warm and fuzzy and make me feel good. And a lot of the, the books and devotions that are being written today. Paul was especially su- uh, surprised that they defected so soon from the truth. And it seems like the believers really didn't put up much of a fight with the false teachers. And, 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 and so they're, they're, they, they were wavering in their loyalty to Paul and the gospel. 
They quickly and easily came under the influence of the heretical teachings. And we need to understand before we get all warm and fuzzy over some new movie or some book or some trend or some spiritual experience, we had better test the spirits. First John 4, 1 through 3, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets, books and movies, have gone out into the world. The spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard, was coming and is now already in the world. We need to be like the Bereans, Paul said. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word of God with all readiness. Awesome. But they searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. That's what we need to do with all of these movies, all these books that are coming out. Man, we need to look at, you know, the scripture references. They may be loaded with scripture. But do they match what's being said in the books? Think about it. The Galatians were so blessed to be taught by the greatest teacher that the church has ever known except for Jesus Christ, Paul, the apostle. And yet they quickly rejected the truth that Paul had taught them. Hey, there is still a huge, great need today for preaching and teaching that continually, continually repeats the fundamental truths of the gospel. But you see, People want something new. They're looking for something new. We need to continually repeat the fundamental truth of the word of God. Even long-time believers can lose a strong, their, their stronghold on those truths and they can allow themselves to be weakened and corrupted by ideas that supposedly improve on the pure and plain teachings of Scripture. That is impossible. You cannot improve on the Bible. You cannot improve the word of God. These Galatians had come to salvation through the Holy Spirit. They were Christians who had become now seriously confused. They weren't just being confused. Their confidence was being weakened to live by grace. And they were actually deserting. The meaning of turning away is used for military desertion. It means to change sides, which was punishable by death during a time of war, just like today. They were removing themselves from the covering of grace. And the false teachers were at fault for corrupting God's truth. But the Galatians were also at fault for being so easily misled by it. To desert the gospel of grace that Paul had taught them, that wasn't just a, de a, de a desertion of the doctrine, but it was deserting him, God, who called them to salvation. And you see, it's continually in that grace where we stand secure. We live in grace the moment we're saved and, if, and in grace, or I should say, if grace ever stopped, we've, we'd, we'd lose our undeserved salvation and we'd die in our sin. The Judaizers who harassed the early church, they said they were Christians. And a lot of their doctrine was right on. They said they believed all the truths that, that the other Christians believed, but they, they, they didn't intend to obviously deny the gospel, but just improve it 
How? By adding some requirements, some ceremonies, some standards from the old covenant into the new. But again, anything, anything added to or taken away from the gospel is no longer gospel. Deuteronomy 4.2, you shall not add to the word which I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. God's words to Moses. Moses warned the people about changing God's word by adding to it or taking from it. See, God watches over his word. He, he, you know, he, he puts his name, above, you know, his, his word above his name and, 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 and he deals with those who change it. Now, the Pharisees are a good example of that. And the Pharisees in Jesus' day, they were very protective of the scriptures. But you know what? They were guilty of taking away from the word of God by replacing it with their own traditions. You see, if God's word is our life, then we're endangering our own future if we don't honor his word and obey it with all of our heart, soul, and mind. Proverbs 30, verse 5 through 6. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to all who come to him for protection. Do not add to his words or he may rebuke you and expose you as a liar. Revelation 22, 18 through 19. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. All scripture, Paul said, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. That is, for what's right, for reproof, for what's not right, for correction, for making it right, and for instruction in righteousness, for staying right. Why? That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The most destructive dangers to the church aren't atheism, it's not pagan religions, or cults that openly deny scripture. It's supposedly Christian movements that accept so much biblical truth that their unscriptural doctrines seem pretty insignificant and harmless. Many think, oh, well, there's all kinds of scripture in there. And, and you know, they talk about Jesus. and Hey, it doesn't matter. We need to remember that, that you know, it, it, they, they may quote scripture well. They may be very knowledgeable of the Bible. They may have gone to seminary. They may be missionaries, pastors, whatever. Hey, the devil quotes scripture too. But he quoted it wrong, which is very interesting. A single drop of poison in a large container of water can make it deadly. If you saw this large container of water and somebody said, well, you know, a, a drop of poison was put in there. Would you rationalize, go, well, you know, it's a big container of water. You know, I'll probably be okay and I'm going to drink it. I doubt that. You're going to no, I'm not touching it. A single false idea in any way weakens God's gospel. It poisons the whole system of belief. Paul would not tolerate one 
drop of poison being mixed with God's pure grace. To turn away from any part of the gospel of Christ is to turn away from the power of God to man's efforts. And when a person tries to stay justified in any way other than the gospel, Paul said, you have fallen from grace and you're estranged from Christ. You see, the Judaizers were promoting a different gospel. A totally contrary and ineffective way of being right with God, mixing law with grace. Look at verse 7. Again, he said in verse 6, he says it's, it's a different gospel. He says in verse 7, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. The distorted teachings of the Judaizers, which is thought to be a form of the gospel. Paul says, hey, it is a different gospel. It's really not another gospel at all. There's only one gospel message of good news. And because of their deception, false teachers like the Judaizers are even more dangerous than those who just come out openly and say, you know, uh, deny that Jesus is the Christ. They were guilty of another sin that really bothered Paul. They were perverting the gospel of Christ. The Judaizers claim to be preaching the gospel, but there cannot be two gospels. There cannot be a gospel of works and a gospel of grace. The word pervert in verse 7 means to turn about, to change into an opposite character. The word could be translated to reverse. In other words, the Judaizers had reversed the gospel. They had gone back to the law. Now, what was this deserting and perverting doing to the Galatian Christians? It was troubling them, Paul said in verse 7. The word trouble carries the idea of confusion and unrest. And that's why Paul was so concerned for his converts. They were going through a very distressing time because of the false doctrines that had been brought into the, uh, into the churches. Grace always leads to peace. You see that in verse 3. Grace always leads to peace, but the believers had deserted grace, and that's why they had no peace in their hearts. And when a Christian turns away from living by God's grace, he has to depend upon his own power. And that leads to failure and disappointment. That's why Paul was so concerned. His friends... In Christ had started their Christian lives in the spirit, but now they were going to try to keep going in the power of the flesh. Verses eight and nine. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. The Judaizers who were misleading the Galatian churches probably had impressive credentials, impressive backgrounds, education. Besides teaching their so-called improved version of the gospel, which Paul said, hey, it's no gospel. They tried challenging Paul's authority and his teaching every way they possibly could. And even though this particular heresy of the Judaizers of legalism, Paul's warning applies equally to any teaching that is not of Christ. 
Listen to what Jude wrote in Jude 4. For certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Whether it's legalism, liberalism, cultic perversion, any teaching that adds to or takes away from God's revealed truth is not true gospel. And it perverts the nature and the work of Christ. That is to be rejected. Paul said against any and every misrepresentation of the gospel of Christ, verse 8, even though we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. In other words, Paul said, hey, you guys, look, even if I or any of my associates were to change our teaching, the Galatians shouldn't listen to them. He said, you should treat us like heretics because that's exactly what we'd be. Even an angel from heaven should be rejected if he presented a gospel different than the one originally taught by Paul. His point is that unconditionally, no messenger, no matter how godly, no matter how spiritual they may be, no matter how how good they may seem to be, should be believed or followed if his teaching is not in line with the Holy Spirit. God revealed doctrine. The truth, God's word, outranks, supersedes, surpasses anybody's credentials. And God's word supersedes every teacher, every preacher, every author, and it must be checked out. Everything must be checked out based on what he says, what God says. Not based on who they are. Because a lot of false systems are very attractive. Why? They emotionally appeal to love, to brotherhood, to unity, to harmony, and feel-good emotions. Many false teachers are popular. Why? They seem to be so warm, so caring, so pleasant. And they claim to have a real love for God and other people. Oh, they say, you know, I want you to experience what I have experienced. I want you to experience more. Well, there's a lot of experiences that we can experience. But they're not necessarily good ones. Because misrepresentations of the gospel by such deceptive people are so appealing. Paul said this. That's why he wrote, Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light before warned. Then Paul turns from the hypothetical to the actual as he repeats his concern. He said it twice. He says, as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. Twice he said that. It shows Paul's passion for the word of God, for the truth. False teachers are going to be judged by God. Paul says, hey, let them be accursed. That word accursed, anathema, it refers to something that is devoted to destruction. In closing, Christians 
We are to have nothing to do with false teachers, authors, anybody, no matter what their credentials are, if they deny or change the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even a leader like Timothy, who was well-trained in God's word, was warned by Paul, hey, stay away from error, Timothy, and focus on the pure truth of God's word. Not only that, to subject yourself to false teaching, no matter how right you think you are, is to disobey God, to compromise and weaken your testimony, and to tolerate misrepresentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When Henry Ironsides, Harry Ironsides was, was asked about exposing error. Listen to what he said. Error is like leaven, of which we read, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Truth mixed with error is equivalent to all error, except, except that it is more innocent looking and therefore more dangerous. God hates such a mixture. Any error or any truth and error mixture calls for definite exposure and repudiation. To condone such is to be unfaithful to God and his word and treacherous to imperil souls to whom Christ died. The quote from Dr. H. Ironsides. And Paul said in verse 10, For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. There was his reason for telling the people, warning the people about false teachers, about false doctrine, about heresies. Paul says, hey, guys, obviously I am not trying to win your approval. But I'm trying to win the approval of God. He said, if pleasing people was my goal, hey, I wouldn't be a bondservant of Jesus Christ. I wouldn't be a good shepherd. I wouldn't be doing what God has called me to do. First Corinthians 4.2, Paul said, Let a servant of the Lord be found faithful. Not eloquent. Not brilliant. Faithful. Did I do what God called me to do? As a watchman, did I warn the sheep? Don't go there. Don't read that. Don't listen to that. Avoid that. Because it can lead you to harm. As a shepherd, he was to lead the sheep to still waters and green pastures. That they could flourish and that they could live. And that's what the shepherd is called to do. And Paul says, hey, that's what I'm called to do. I will be held accountable for being faithful. Again, not brilliant, not eloquent. Joe, did you do? Pastor Xavier, did you do? Pastor Mario, Pastor John, did you do what I called you to do? I will give an account for that. Today, personal experiences are becoming more convincing than Scripture. 
the most important defense we as Christians have against being deceived is a conviction that God's word is the last word. That God's word settles any questions that I may have about anything. And that God's word has more authority than anybody's experience. No matter how real or how great or how spectacular it may be. God's word outranks anybody's experience. This is clearly taught over and over and over again in the scriptures. We also have to refuse to get caught up in every kind of speculation, every kind of teaching, every kind of movement, every kind of belief, every claim of new truth. And every so-called new revelation that takes away from or leads people away from the simple dependence on and total confidence in the word of God. We need to know and understand and be convinced in our own minds and be confident that the Bible surpasses every other source of knowledge. Thus says the Lord. That's it. Thus says the Lord. Too many people are listening to thus says Dr. So-and-so. Thus says this scientist over here. Thus says this guru. Thus, this, thus says this philosopher. Thus says this person. Hey, thus says the Lord. That's the final say. That's the final word. That settles all doubt, settles all questions. We place our complete faith and trust and confidence in God's word. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this evening to thank you so much, Lord, for your word. Your wonderful word, God. And Lord... I do pray that, Father, we would not get caught up, Father, in the trends and the fashions and, God, the waves of experience that blow through our nation. God, help us not to get caught up in the excitement, in the movements that are not of the Holy Spirit. And God, help us to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. And Lord, help us to have such a desire to know you, to know your word, to know that we're in tune with you, God. That, Lord, nothing can sway us. I may know not, I may not know a lot about anything. And there are those out there that are very convincing when it comes to things that are worldly. And they tell us, well, you, you, the, the Bible is outdated. The Bible is, is obsolete. It was written at a different time for a different people, a different culture. 
And yet the Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And though cultures change and times change, fashions change, trends change, the heart never does. Unless Christ indwells that heart. God, help us to be aware. Help us to question. Test all spirits. Help us to be like the Bereans, Lord. That uh, receive the word of God with readiness, but they made sure that it was coming from the throne, the throne room of God. And Lord, I just pray for each one here tonight, God, that you'd bless them, you'd be with them. The Father, we would submit to your word. Many times it goes against our nature, it goes against our grain. But Lord, we give you all the glory, we give you all the honor, we give you all the praise. And as Paul said, may the word of God dwell in you richly. May it find a home in our heart. May it be comfortable there. May we put all confidence in the word. Because we are being bombarded with many other voices and many other words. So Lord, just help us now to keep our eyes on on you, Lord. Looking unto Jesus as the author of and the finisher of our faith. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.